Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! Gee! He's round the goalkeeper! He's done it! Absolutely incredible! He launched himself six feet into the crowd and Kung Fu kicked a supporter who was without a shadow of a doubt giving him lip. The professional musicians wade into the Sheffield Wednesday ABBA saga. What's the most Mickey Mouse Cup in football? A thorough fact check of Dion Dublin's Homes Under the Hammer Happy Hunting Ground boasts. The most Premier League club never to have played in the Premier League. The parameters for a slaloming dribble. What are the most basic criteria for a team to not turn up in a cup final? And yet another parody metal military retelling of the 1994 World Cup final. Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 239 of Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry and with me for the 150th time is Charlie Eccleshare. I ask you with all sincerity, how are you? (laughs) I'm very well Adam and for probably the 150th time, how are you? Yeah, not too bad at all. Great to have you and uh, great to have David Walker as well. Um... It is that it's that time of the year, Dave, where I ask you about Watford's new manager. How long how long do you think it will take you, you know, presuming results go the right way, to start calling him Chrissy Wilder? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure we'll ever get to that stage. No. To be honest with you. I don't know if he is a Chrissy Wilder. We were talking about Chrissy's yeah. last week, weren't he is we? A Chrissy. Yeah. He's definitely a Chrissy. I think yeah, he could be. I've heard it. I've definitely heard Chrissy. He's Wilder. not a big Chris, is he? Is he big Chris? He's not, big. He's not, not he's actually that big. He's he's he was like a fullback, tall, was he? Wasn't he? Yeah. Mm. I'm, I'm he's a big, big character, big personality. Yeah. But we were talking about because it was Chrissy Powell and Chrissy Hewton we were saying were definite Chrissies. And for obvious but, reasons, Chrissy Perry can't be a Chrissy. Great <laughs> Chrissy Perry, no. Yeah, Chrissy Wilder would be a Chrissy amongst the managerial fraternity, but no one yeah. else would call him Chrissy. Maybe yeah. Andy Gray, and that's about it. Yeah. Um, right, a rare midweek adjudication panel. For everybody, but uh, it's going to be a good one. Got plenty of material for you. And I want to start with this. Charlie, I think you'll like this one. It's came from David O'Leary, who uh, has picked up on a certain staple of a new manager interview with the in-house club media. This is uh, Gareth Ainsworth being unveiled at QPR. And this was the first question that they asked him. Gareth Ainsworth, QPR head coach. How does that sound? <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, awesome. Uh <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's a little bit surreal still, you know. It's... <laughs> we definitely, if I if I had Brian's uh, gun amount of time on my hands, I would I would I reckon I could go and find at least half a dozen examples of that, Charlie. But it, but it's such it's such a classic. Yeah, that's absolutely. And the and the response is always, huh, yeah, yeah, because you can't. It's not a men in white coat situation, is it? You can't you can't summon that as an answer. 
No, I mean, yeah, it's brilliant. Because it should, it's also used in a kind of, you know, Premier League champion or whatever yeah. it is. How does that, you know, how does that sound? Or, yeah. you know, PFA Young Player of the Year, how does that sound? Man, obviously, then just giving like a job appointment is one rung down. To then be QPR, with all due respect, that is a, a plum a plum job in lots of ways. And, but it's, and it's, you know, his former club, club he has a lot of fondness for. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there's all of that. And so, yeah, maybe he would have, you know, dreamt of that for a long time. But it just, yeah, it's it's a good sort of journey down the question works when you when the person asking it knows the answer will be along the lines of oh yeah so surreal can't believe surreal. it I mean, yeah which which is what she's right for like Ainsworth it's a it's a particularly emotional connection if you've just won the world cup and you're standing on the pitch in the stadium yeah but if they were to ask it for example tomorrow afternoon at, at, at Chris Wilder's first press <laughs> manager it'd be oh, fucking hell can't really I mean I can't <laughs> believe what, it to be honest what in house <laughs> media team do with their <laughs> they don't give them the big welcome do they Dave I mean there must be a they do no they do oh, they wow. do they 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 basically have to play it with a straight bat they have to they go really? through that they do the same things every time the gaffer the gaffers the new man's here mm. taking training there'll be all the training pictures on Thursday of him yep. taking his first session out on the grass there'll be hello, an interview hello gaffer the whole yeah. the whole thing but what else can they do no that's right <laughs> do, you, they do, do you do you it by the numbers Apologies for getting too serious for a moment, but do, but do you do you allow yourself to dream? Like, have there been any managers you've thought, you know what? Jabby whisper Gracie it quietly. It is. Yeah, whisper it quietly, <laughs> but I think he could be in for the long haul here. I think we do that every time, in oh. a way. I mean, there has been a few where when they're particularly random, like Cisco Munoz, who who actually was the only one who's had any success in the last few years because he got promoted. Yeah, yeah. You th- think, well, this is obviously a bit weird, but like we've we've done it. Oh, Roy, you know what? I think Roy will get a solid. You know, he'll, get, he'll, he'll give us a real chance of staying <laughs> That's what up. We need. Yeah, yeah. Um, Rob Edwards, Billy. Oh, Billich has been up with. He's, he's taken West Brom up. He's he's not going to mess around. He's going <laughs> to real tell. He's going to tell them some home truths. I think. Yeah, I mean, Chrissy Wilder would not have taken this job if he didn't really believe. <laughs> that you know there's yeah. a project there I, I know Chrissy Wilder arguably true but yeah uh, let's let's hold out some hope that you know in a few years time you'll hear Chris Wilder 500 games in charge of Watford how does that sound <laughs> surreal Absolutely genuinely surreal, surreal. <laughs> yeah in this case probably would get would work right let's revisit something from last week you may recall Sheffield Wednesday fan Joe Horsey writing in about um their fan base's new chart for the season and specifically how the melody has essentially gradually degraded from the ABBA original. <laughs> Dave, I thought this was kind of a mid-ranking cliche segment. I didn't think it was classic content, but the the, the correspondence we received on the back of this was quite something. I didn't realise people cared about this as much, but it is a subtle art, isn't it? A subtle phenomenon about how these these kind of chants kind of unfold. Yeah, I think there's also probably, having seen our audience at, uh, up close and personal uh, yeah. at live shows, probably is quite an overlap between people that like our shows and people that are really, really into music in a very particular way. Okay. I think we've got a lot. I think we've got a lot of musos who listen to us. 
Yeah. Probably, so probably played in bands and stuff. Yeah. yeah, so it seems. Amongst all this correspondence, Charlie, was an email from uh, Jem Basato, who's a musician, and uh, he tried to explain what was happening here. <laughs> it went right over my head, but I'm going to read you a portion of it. He says, Here, the Wednesday fans are turning two slightly different intervals to two equivalent intervals. The original melody spans three notes, with one interval of three semitones and the other of a whole tone, two semitones. It's much easier to make it two and two, and if you do that, you end up with the first three notes of the major scale, which are the easiest possible notes to sing, as demonstrated by a million bangers from everything from Three Blind Mice to the opening line of Wonderwall and anything out of a child's beginner's recorder book. So essentially, football fans are stupid and they can only handle simple (laughs) melodies. That's what Jim Fasat is saying, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, that's a very erudite way of describing the what the eye test or in this case the ear test was Mm. telling us Mm. that it's just that is a much easier sort of and more instinctive football fan thing to do is to do what they do at the end than what ABBA do I mean I guess you know you have to adapt these things for thousands of people to sing all at once and you know naturally I guess they're going to simplify it to an extent what we needed is some sort of audio accompaniment to to explanations like this instead musician Bobby Goulder with this and I think this was this was lovely he kind of took us all the way through how this thing evolved. Hi guys, I thought I would uh, offer a bit of musical analysis on the Sheffield Wednesday fans arrangement of Voulez-Vous by ABBA. <laughs> so here it is. Um, I reckon there are two kind of major adaptations that they've implemented. The first, as you say on the last pod, being um, the kind of contour of the final phrase. Um, so the original goes, Wednesday's gonna win the um, so it's like it's in this minor key it ends lovely. on it goes upwards but it doesn't end on the kind of home note of the scale um, so I reckon that's the kind of first thing they've changed is ending on that root note of the scale gives it a bit of finality um, and then I reckon the, the other big change is they've kind of revamped it into a major key so instead of being in a minor key which can be a bit kind of despondent maybe a bit sombre um They've changed it to uh, to a major key, so it goes like uh, Reese James at the back. Uh, what is it? Windass in attack. Wednesday's gonna win the league, which is a lot more kind of uplifting, a lot more rousing. Um, and I reckon, yeah, I reckon it works well. Hats off, Wednesday fans. We Cheers. should book that guy for our next live show. <laughs> oh. Bobby, mate, we need you. The sounds fucked. <laughs> Come on with it. Go and get he the keyboard. Just do a few, he could just do a few songs on the piano. <laughs> Uh, do you know Birds of a Feather, that. Bobby? <laughs> <laughs> that was so good. It was good. And also, Charlie, it was a defence of the Wednesday fans, kind of looking for a kind of constructive way of seeing why they might why have adapted. It. And, and, and it's saying a sort of ending on this kind of note of finality. So fair play to them, as he says. More, more uplifting, yeah. Yeah, I love good. Me, me and my sister always had a joke about like singing football chants in that sort of vaguely operatic way as well. And he's just done that to an absolute T. That was lovely to hear. You and your sister sitting around the grand piano, were you? (laughs) (laughs) The organ. Stop it. I don't like the way this podcast is headed this week at all. Awful. Oh, we Uh, do have fun, don't we, Charlie? (laughs) (laughs) Family sing-along. What's next? Okay, so the lesson we've learned here, Dave, is that Voulez-Vous by ABBA is arguably too complex a melody, despite it being a very popular song, for for a terrorist chant. Um, but there, there seem to be others that are way too unwieldy for this purpose. Man City fan Andy got in touch. He says, speaking of fans completely changing tunes from the original, this effort from the Man City fans has recently been aired at Bournemouth and Bristol City, channeling the Fleetwood Mac song everywhere. Let's see how what you make of this effort. <laughs> Fleetwood Mac. 
Dave, musically speaking, wow. I think they've bitten off more they can chew here for two reasons. First of all, the the melody at the start, dun 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 dun, dun that's the original. It's 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 not really notable enough. I don't I don't think like it, it's not particularly memorable enough to be incorporated into a chant. And secondly, once they get to the uh, oh ah, in, in their version, it's just it's too high. They've pitched themselves too mm. high and they've left themselves with nowhere to go. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They've gone in way too high. The intro's too long as yeah. well. There's too yeah. much time before they actually get to the lyrics. You can clear. You can clearly hear by the sort of slightly muffled. It's not. Like, it's, it, there's lots of people there who probably don't really know what the tune is or yeah. just are, are unsure and are unconfident about it. It's a. It's a bold. I mean, fair play i'm all for it i'm all for you know i'm I'm sick of the same old songs that you hear at every ground so i'm all for people throwing in new attempts but this is quite uh yeah they, you're right they have been off more than they can chew it's a great song but it's a hard one to sing yeah i mean let, you know even on your own alone trying to in unison with thousands of others and yeah there's a reason you generally don't have falsetto <laughs> not easy not everyone has it in their locker it, it does at least end the lyrics, their adapted lyrics, end on the universal sentiment of uh, I'll follow you everywhere. So, I mean, that, I mean that, that's very football fan mm. chanty sentiment. Yeah. So at least they've, they've nailed that. So, yeah, I, th- I don't know if they're going to continue to work on that. Uh, Man City fan Andy thinks it was a 7 out of 10. I'm going for 5, personally. I don't think yeah. he's got legs, long-term legs. But um, So if we want to simplify this sort of thing, if we want to find a song from popular culture to simplify and turn into a football chant again on this on this podcast, how about this? Some of, you, some of our listeners might not be too familiar with this. Turns out Charlie's children haven't um, been introduced to this either. So what kind of household are they living in? This is uh, the Tidy Up song from the CBB's hit show, Baby Club. Let's hear it. It's Tidy Up time. Are you ready, baby tiger? Let's tidy, let's tidy up, let's put our things away. Let's tidy, let's tidy up to play another day. It's got all the poise of a terrorist yeah. chant, Charlie, I think. <laughs> it's tidy, it's tidy up, let's put our things away. It's tidy, it's tidy up, let's play another day. You could it works perfectly. You just just use Man City as the as the previous example. We're City, we're yeah. City, we're gonna win the league. I, you want to have that at the end though, because that's that's, well, that's the objective, right? But even let's play another day. That you almost don't need to change the lyrics. We go yeah. again another we, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we'll, we'll play another day. <laughs> um, yeah, I think there's a lot of overlap with sort of the song because they're often incredibly repetitive. Um, songs aimed at children in the same way that football chants often are. So I think they do often uh, interchange quite nicely. I think the difference here, Dave, is that I, I can't see us singing the Tidy Up song from CBB's Baby Club at the next Clichés live show. Um, Charlie, it's your 150th appearance on the Football Clichés podcast. Have I got a very special For My Sins corner for you? This is the last ever For My Sins on Radio 2's Popmaster as presided over by Ken Bruce, wow. who has, of course, taken Popmaster with him. So this is a momentous moment for a momentous moment for you. Can Charlie Huge. win it on his 150th appearance or will Dave spoil the party? <laughs> Dave hasn't read the script. Here we go. So it's hi there to Andy Chapel in Burnley. Hi, Andy. Hi, Ken. How are you doing? I'm good. Yourself? I'm very well, thanks. Excellent. So, uh, a bit about yourself. What's your job? 
Um, I work for like uh, your previous contestants. Um, I work for local authority, but I look after street lighting in East Lancashire and uh, also at Lancaster. All right. The installation of it. Right, so you're yeah. up on the cherry picker, are you? No, I'm the manager. Oh, operations manager. Thomas Inns. That's lucky. I'm behind the desk these days. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. But you just make sure the lights, when they're reported to you, not working, you're out there. That's the one. Excellent. Well done. The rest of the time, what did you get up to? Here we go. Um, I enjoy travelling, like I said to research. I enjoy travelling. I uh, enjoy listening to music. I watch football. I watch Blackpool. Come on, yeah. Oh, that's enough. That's yeah. plenty. Yeah. Dave has spoiled the party on Charlie's hundred appearance. Sickened. Sickened. No, oh, that was great. I was so local authority felt that all felt so for my sins. Even it was all a red herring. Afraid mm, so. Oh, yeah. That's about as for my sins as you can get. I think it's a good one. It was a really good one. Um, other things. Blackpool. I've, other things I've kind of picked up. Yeah, more on Blackpool shortly, actually. But uh, other things I picked up in these traditional welcomes on Popmaster as was Dave, is that when uh, when someone's finished describing what job they do, Ken Bruce sort of politely sort of tells them to carry on doing their job. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You go out there and oh, up those lights. Fantastic. Thank you very much. And um, I also don't think you would have appreciated the, as I said to your research. Yeah, I know. Like, don't, don't say that. It. Shatter that illusion. It also makes it seem a little bit like, why are you asking me this, Ken? That you know the answer. They always... It, they, I, I used to be said researcher, not on not Ken Bruce, but like on the phones at radio stations. And it's funny that that's always the word that callers use. You're not a researcher. You're just a, per- <laughs> you're just a person who answers the phone. You always get. They always. I've just spoke to your researcher. I was just. I was just. I was just, I was just telling your researcher that he's got to go. <laughs> I've just said to Dave, yeah, with a little thumb behind your shoulder. I sent you research back there. Anyway, um, oh, brilliant. Brilliant for my sins corner. Um, sorry for Charlie. No, Not capping was, was... his 150th cap. No, fair enough. This next email came from Julio Binyaku. I've been thinking about the recent Carabao Cup, he says, and how it is called by some fans a Mickey Mouse Cup. Two questions came to me. What's the etymology of this term? Clearly the football and cups have existed long before Mickey Mouse, but when did they join forces? Charlie, do you think instinctively it's quite a weird phrase? I mean, we all know what it means. It means a, a, a trophy not worthy of, of great repute. Um, mm. But is Mickey Mouse the best way to describe it? Mickey Mouse is huge. Yeah, I mean, Prestigious. I was thinking about this, actually, because we were asked about treble or a quadruple in relation to United. And I was thinking that there was also Liverpool's Mickey Mouse treble That's in right. 2001. Yeah. I guess, I mean, linked to like... Because we talked about tiddlywinks before as well and sort of <laughs> yeah. the etymology there and that supports this. I guess there's a sort of... Mickey Mouse is most people's first reference when they think of like cartoony, it's not serious, it's a bit, I don't know, fake? Uh, it, is a, it is an odd one, especially, you know, Mickey Mouse... A lot of prestige, a lot of history there. But well, yeah. I think that's sort of what you get, what they, why that came into being. Julio, second question, Dave, is uh, what's the quintessential Mickey Mouse Cup? It's got to be. Is it the League Cup? Is that the most Mickey Mouse Cup? Or would, are there, have there been others? I think the Intertoto, probably. Oh? Because that's it, something that isn't even... Was that even... too stupid and too silly mm. to be Mickey Mouse? Was it ever in doubt? No, I think that is, the, that is Mickey. That is bang on Mickey Mouse. Because didn't, like, didn't Newcastle win it or something? Yeah. And it's just sort of not counted. West Ham, did West Ham win it? It's kind of not counted, but it is a trophy. You could, you could hear someone saying, oh, well, they've not won anything years. I mean, obviously, they won the old Mickey Mouse Cup in the Intertoto. I don't... I, Charlie, I think, yeah. it, I think it falls... I think it's mm. too, it's too Mickey Mouse to be Mickey... Yeah. I mean, the, the Bugs problem, Bunny. Well, it was like... <laughs> 
It was undermined by the fact it, it didn't have a definitive final. You got to the late stage and there were like yeah. three winners of certain yeah. install, uh, installments of it. So so that, that undermined it quite heavily. But then also it had a plaque for a trophy, which is bad. So I, yeah, think, I, I think it's too rubbish to be Mickey Mouse, Charlie. I know what you mean. And I think that's why the League Cup and why that like Mickey Mouse treble for Liverpool is there. Because you, you're sort of using it to denigrate Someone feels good about something and you're denigrating it. Whereas I don't think anyone would feel good about the Intertoto, even at the time about winning it. Like, as you say, you know it's a sort of gag competition. Another one, and I don't know if this was said, but do you remember Mourinho, when he was at United, tried to include the cha- the Community Shield yeah. as a trophy? He talked about in 2017, the 16-17 season that United had won a treble, which is obviously ludicrous, but I don't know if the Community Shield I, I, could be talked about in a Mickey Mouse. I wouldn't Mouse call way it a Mickey well. Mouse trophy because it because really spiritually it's the capping of, of the thing that you did the season before. Mm. Really, I don't yeah. I don't think many people think of it as an achievement in itself. Whilst I do accept that some people add it to sort of trophy halls and things like that, which is controversial. But I don't think again I don't think I it's think, Mickey Mouse. I, I think, think League Cup's about right. The act of claiming. The, the mm. Community Shield is a trophy. Is Mickey Mouse? <laughs> yeah, Tim himself. Yeah. Yeah. It's Tim. It's Fisher Price. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what about? And I don't think this is because I think this is too deluxe. But if if you know if if you were trying to say you know you know again Liverpool talking about that Mickey Mouse treble, it was said wasn't it? They won five trophies that year mm. because they also added I think the Club World Cup and what was the Intercontinental Cup or something. Right. I think you might say, come on, it's a bit Mickey Mouse. Counting those. Oh, so know, you're broadening like, the Mickey Mouse mm, usage. Yeah, because because again, it's, I think it, that's, yeah, it's an attitude. You know, I, I think fans. <laughs> it's a way of life, man. You know, <laughs> Liverpool fans might be like, "Yeah, we've won three European trophies." It's like, come on, like, yeah. it's a bit Mickey Mouse counting the Intercontinental Cup that was like a one-off game. Mm. Small time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Charlie. If you had to guess, when do you think this was first coined? Roughly, Mickey Mouse. Mickey but, Mouse Cup. Actually, talking about the, talking about the League Cup specifically in that way. Talking about any cup as the Mickey any Mouse cup, cup. As the Mickey Mouse Cup. Um, well, <laughs> I feel like I first heard it when the League Cup started to be devalued in about I don't know the late mid to late nineties, sort of when teams started playing their reserve teams. Hmm. Um, but obviously, that's just and I know football existed before then. <laughs> I first heard it, so I'm going to say around then. Well, um, these are the words from Clive Tildesley in a newspaper article he wrote back in 2003. He says, when Everton played in the 1977 League Cup final, Liverpool fans mockingly dismissed it as the Mickey Mouse Cup. Their team were chasing a treble of real trophies at the time. So it all adds up. But yeah, I mean... That's a a perfect example. Yeah. Julio, Dave, um, pointed me in the direction of... uh, the Wikipedia page for Mickey Mouse Cup. I was surprised this existed. <laughs> I didn't think it would warrant a Wikipedia page, but it does. And it's very, very comprehensive. It talks about lots of theories about why it might have happened. But the best thing about this Wikipedia page, you know, famously a very matter-of-fact kind of source of information. At no point does it actually mention Disney. It just says it's a pejorative term used particularly in British football to describe some seasonal competition based in elimination rounds regarded with lesser prestige than others. But it doesn't actually give the Disney link at all, as if it almost doesn't mm. want to disrespect Disney. In any and way. Yet, and and you just sort of the thing looming in the background here is that it's not inconceivable that at some point, given the world we're in now, that Disney or an extension of the Walt Disney Company will somehow buy buy they'll sponsor the EFL or they'll buy the EFL or, or or the Premier League. Some there might very well be a very literal Mickey Mouse Cup where Mickey presents the fucking trophy yeah. at some point. Could be. That'd be great, wouldn't it? Um, I just realised something as well, and I bet there are a lot of listeners shouting at us. 
uh, the Europa Conference League. That is a Mickey Mouse Cup. That feels Mickey Mouse tournament in the sweet spot because yeah. you're going to get a team winning it. West Ham might win it this year, for instance, and it will oh, just be relentless taunting rival fans. Be like, that's a, that's Mickey Mouse, it mate. Mickey that Mouse. doesn't count. It's, Mickey well, it, Mouse. Yeah, it's a European it's, trophy. It is to other. You're completely right. People would say that, but because I was thinking, I was thinking about well, it, what about the, uh, the Papa John's trophy as it is mm. now, the Football League trophy. But for the, to the teams that are in it, it's not Mickey Mouse, is it? I don't think. Like, I think if West Ham got to the Conference League final, they'd be hailing it as some. Well, they nearly got there. Nearly got to Europa yeah, League. They'd be hailing it as no, an amazing thing. They would, but I think. But that's true of other competitions. You know, League Cup as well isn't, you know, that wouldn't be Mickey Mouse to a lot of teams. But I think if you can be taunted with it by opposition fans, yeah. then I think it's got a shout of it. You know, because the League Cup, in that example that Tildesley gave there, the League Cup at that time is still valued. But relative to Liverpool, who were chasing a treble, the League Cup is small fry. Well, yeah, you tried telling the fans of AEK Larnaca. Sivaspor, Jurgardens, Lech Poznan, that the Europa Conference League is a Mickey Mouse trophy. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. I promise you some more Blackpool, and here it is. Great stuff, this, all round. <laughs> uh, the contribution and the effort that's gone on behind the scenes behind it too. Barney Reed writes in, he's watching Homes Under the Hammer, and he says, while investigating a property in Blackpool with a view of Bloomfield Road, Dion Dublin has just claimed this. And over there I can see the home of Blackpool Football Club. Bloomfield Road, really nice stadium, played there many times, and I've scored there many times as well. Is that right, Dion Dublin? <laughs> <laughs> Barney Reed, straight over to Transfer Marked, and uh, pulled up Dion Dublin's career record against Blackpool. Here we go. FA Cup, 2004-05, a replay, third round. Away at Blackpool, 70 minutes on the pitch, zero goals. FA Cup 2007 in the fourth round, a draw at Bloomfield Road against Blackpool. 58 minutes played, zero goals. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Back in the Championship 2007-08 with Norwich, two goals away at Blackpool in a 3-1 win. 
They were the only goals he's ever scored against Blackpool in his entire career, Dave. Now, this is the sort of thing you need a researcher for. But are we completely sure that Transfer Marked has got his whole career comprehensively covered? I worried about this. I almost put it into Tuesday's episode, but I held it back so I could spend more time researching. I've been <laughs> through every possible situation he might have played against Blackpool, and those are the only two goals he scored against him. So he has played Blackpool away three times and scored twice. So two in three, actually. Maybe That's not, not a bad little ratio. Yeah. Ratio-wise, yeah. he's safe. Volume-wise, Charlie, he's fucked. What, what were his exact words? He said, played there many times, scored there many times as well. It is an exaggeration, but I thought he was going to, I thought he was going to be uncovered if he hadn't scored any. Two and three, as you say, it's a good ratio. Because <laughs> I, I was wondering, would he, I think he's just misremembered. Whereas at first I was thinking, has he just made that up to try and like, Try and sound cool. But I was thinking like proper purple patch, kind of he loves it up here kind of day. I was, I was expecting like 11 in 13 mm. or something, but no. Yeah. Nope. Happy hunting ground. <laughs> Not even close. No. Not even close. I'm get, I reckon he just thought the viewers of Homes Under the Hammer wouldn't go and check, mm. would they, Charlie? Well, there's that as well, yeah. Barney Reed checked, and so did I. Thanks, Barney it- Reed. Massive place. Nine bedrooms, 20 grand. Ooh. Wow. Needed a lot of work doing, so not when was the, When was that broadcast as well? Quite a while ago. You never know with Homes Under the Hammer. They put a little date at the bottom, but you never, yeah, it's hard to tell. It looked dated. It looked, it looked sort of pre the age of people almost being able to check all that stuff. Mm. It felt a little bit like you could just say, you know, you could say kind of vague things about your career and it would just sort of be accepted. Yeah, but Dylan Dublin's not been hosting Homes Under the Hammer for like 25 years, has he? That's been like five, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Wikipedia's okay. been yeah. around for his entirety of his spell in, uh, in front yeah, of the camera, he, I think. He's he always very- been at risk of this. He looked very young there. Oh, right. no. <laughs> he wasn't just doing it while he was playing for Cambridge United. <laughs> Midway. While banging the goals in at Bloomfield Road. Indeed. Right. Next question came from Tandem Felix. He says, in light of the Manchester United drubbing against Liverpool, two numbers, do you say, when one team looks like scoring a lot of goals, i.e. this could be X or Y, and at which scoreline do you say it? For me, it should be, this could be four or five after 2-0. Charlie... So many variables at play here. I think I would go higher with the I would go higher with the hypothetical. I'd say this this, mm. this could be five or six. Yeah, or even this could be anything. This could be anything. Yeah, the sort of the high point when it's a real. I think when you really want to get across well that the other team looks like a complete shambles. This could be anything. No, they're the way they're going. Okay, so Dave, we've got the boundary here of what of what is acceptable to be considered to be. You know, this could be. Uh, but when are you saying it? I mean, surely this isn't a second half situation. This is a one team's come flying out of the traps in the first half, raced into a 2-0 lead, and then you start speculating about what the score could be. This is probably can't even stay it after 35 minutes, could you? Maybe you well, I, I would normally agree with you, but um, so we had the situation on Sunday, mm. Liverpool winning 7-0, mm. and I, I think we were in like the 85th minute, and the people, I was with a couple of United fans, and they were thinking, like, this could still be 7 or 8, mm. and they were 5-0 down, and so it proved. That was almost too fact-based. I mean, they were actually expecting... A seventh or eighth goal to go in. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It wasn't even wild speculation. But I mean, it was absurd. It was an absurd thrashing, Charlie, of course. One goal at half time and then absolutely bat in the second. You don't see that very often. No, you're right. But that is slightly different because I think sometimes you're saying, well, actually, I was going to say sometimes you're saying it for dramatic effect, which mm. maybe you are. But also, I think it is being said, it normally is being said earnestly. Yeah. This, yeah, this could be anything they want it to be. Yeah. You know, it's kind of up to them sometimes mm. because. You know, it's just if they're going to go easy on them. This could be anything. If you think about it in isolation, Dave, it's such a great footballing phrase, isn't it? This could be anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, it, it is what it is, but this could be anything. They, they might get it back to 3-3. Yeah, then. true. He's back. 
It's match of the day commentator Mark Scott. He can't keep him away. This came from Matthew Phillips, who was watching um, what seemed like a fairly innocuous set of highlights between Southampton and Leicester on Saturday's edition of MOTD. And uh, Mark Scott just couldn't help himself in relation to one of Southampton's recent new signings. And uh, Alcaraz left something in there. No escape for Alcaraz from the yellow card. Adams with the awareness to spot that Alcaraz was making the run. He was on exactly the same wavelength. And there was no escape from Alcaraz for Leicester there. Southampton won. Leicester City nil. Fair play for rolling it out twice, Dave. Yeah, I'm like for it. it. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Um, I did, of course, Charlie, get straight in touch with Mark Scott to see what he had to say for himself. Two things, he says. I didn't think the yellow card would be in the edit, so I went again with the goal. That's the, mo- that's the most schoolboy error you could make on Match of the Day. <laughs> of course the yellow card's going to be in there. Have to have to assume everything yeah. goes in. It's so funny as well. I think there must be some telepathy going on. I, did, I had that exact thought before, because I, I don't think I watched those highlights, but I think before them, like, as soon as I saw the name, I was like, oh, how long until there's an escape? Uh, and how easy will that be to do? Turns out pretty easy. He was in fine company though, Dave. Um, Mark Scott also points out that Peter Drury uh, got a whole lot of love for using the uh, escape from Alcaraz pun in his commentary for the goal too. Um, I have the footage, but it's on a Canadian Twitter video, which means I can't watch it and nobody in the US is awake yet for me to, for them to download the video for me. So we just have to assume that it happened and believe me when I say it. There's nothing we can do. Next up. Tennis fans will be familiar with this as well. Carlos Alcaraz, there's been quite a lot of this. Ah, uh, excellent. Tennis, tennis, tennis. Happy 150th appearance to you. <laughs> uh, really enjoyed this question from Jake Bland. He says, who are the most Premier League team never to have played in the Premier League? No real big hitters left out. So it's probably a team who will pop up on one episode of Premier League years in the 90s. I'm thinking Oxford United with a valiant but ultimately doomed 1993-94 season. Actually, I quite, can't quite picture that, but I, I think we can kind of approximate mm. it even closer what's on your mind here yeah this is funny as well because I said this to Dave last week so I was asking oh. about in a very uh, you know football small talk way you know talking about how Watford were getting on and we, we we looked at the championship table and I remarked that it was interesting that there was Luton and Millwall who were in the playoff mix who'd never been in the Premier League and then prompted by this question I was thinking that because Luton were in the top flight until the very last pre-Premier League season. They got relegated, along with Notts County, who also have never been in the Premier League. But I I feel Notts County have been consistently too far away to really feel like they they were ever especially close. So you're Um, factoring in actual league position into this, are you? A little bit, just because I can can picture... Because Luton were quite a staple of top-flight football... Um, right up until the Premier League was formed. I think for a lot of, you know, it, it would seem like, yeah, they, they were there in 92, 93, or they popped up in 93, 94, or one of those early seasons. Millwall as well, around that period, would often bloody the noses of the bigger teams in the Cup. They knocked out Arsenal in consecutive years, I think, in the FA Cup, 94 and 95. So I think those two for me, which maybe is more factual than instinctive, but... I, I can well imagine them popping up at some point. Dave, I think we should have some leeway here with sort of current predicament, sort of historical league placings. Because, you know, your Bradfords are in League Two. Oldham are in the National League. I think there's scope here 
to look down the divisions and and clubs that you can conceive being in the Premier League one year, even if it's just for one season and and briefly being a breath of fresh air, but then royally getting relegated. Preston, Preston feel like, I mean, Mm. they've got a lovely stadium. I feel like that could work in the Premier League. Tranmere, Gillingham, Bristol City. Yeah, I thought about all these and I I sort of kind of landed at the same sort of conclusion as Charlie, Uh, sort of Millwall, Luton or Knox County. Mm. Um, Maybe Cambridge United as well, who I think lost in the Cambridge, play yeah. lost in the playoffs for the oh, yeah. would have been in the Premier League if they won the playoffs in ninety two. Um, but uh, yeah, if you want to look at it a different way, I thought maybe maybe Salford City with all the <laughs> with all the things that they you can sort of see Are you them one this day forward, they, as a future Premier League. Yeah, I could see okay. them one day. I mean, they, they've not obviously not doing well enough to even get out of League Two at the moment. But mm. even a Wrexham, like you can see a, a club that will march through. There, there will be a club a club that will manage to march through the divisions at some point and get up there. Hmm. I think, rather than some of these old clubs kind of getting their act together and finally getting there. Bristol City is one that always comes up because they're the biggest city that has never Mm. been in the Premier League. But they don't feel like a top flight club to me. Yeah. Trying to think what season Bristol City would have been in there. Well, they they lost it. They lost the 2008 playoff final mm. to Hull. Yeah, yeah, late 2000s does feel about right. Quick sort of £6 million signing of Lewis Graben. Back down again. That's it. Jobs are good. And, but yeah. But you're right. There, sh- there should be a sort of Wigan-y type. And I know Wigan were established for a good while, mm. but one of those sorts of clubs that now I think feel quite a way off and like a bit, you know, a bit of a... Because Wigan never came back up, did they, once they were relegated? So yeah, I don't know if there's, if there's a club like that who are just sort of... Hmm. You, you can imagine or, or Blackpool had that one season they, yeah, exactly. they were the, the epitome of breath of fresh air under Ian Holloway yeah but yeah a lovely lovely sort of inverting of the of the classic question Dave of you know which who are the most Premier League 20 teams you, who are the teams that seem to kind of always deserve a place in the Premier League and everyone else can just like it or lump it so I like, <laughs> I like the inversion of that because I'll never want to do that on this podcast now listener Sam has a question how many changes of direction does a dribble need to be accurately described as slaloming. Martin Keown kept describing <laughs> Sheffield United's goal against Spurs as slaloming, but I don't think it was. Two changes of direction minimum for me, ideally three. Same goes for mazy dribbles. I'm trying to get my head around this, Dave. I mean, you're going to need to beat two players in a slaloming dribble? Yeah, and I think slaloming, you need there needs to be a reasonable amount of distance covered for a slalom, I think. Mm. If you're if you're taking the skiing analogy sort of thing or like a canoe sort of slalom, yeah. it's a, it's a it's a downhill thing, isn't it? Um, but the, the Sheffield United example that was that was, he was sort of jinking in and out in a tight little space. Yeah, mm. he yeah. wasn't kind of beating people on the run. Yeah, you got to cover you got to cover ground, Charlie, for a slalom at the very least, right? Yeah, I'm watching it now. You're right. It is it's in too tight a space. Okay, over too short a distance. Yeah, I mean, there's jinking as well, isn't there? Sort of yeah, jinking's like a short, short course slalom, isn't it? A jink. Mm. That's fine. <laughs> I mean, you arguably don't even need to be, you, yeah, you probably need to beat a player, but you don't really need to sort of oscillate too much left and right. You can. Was um was Son's goal against Burnley slaloming? Was there was not enough change of direction for that? Then there's, yeah, straight. He, kind of, he kind of runs in a straight line. Get, would gig that famous gigs goal? It's like when the ski. It's like when the ski. He was like when the skier sort of fucks up and just abandons the run yeah. halfway down. <laughs> just goes straight down the middle. Like this. <laughs> was it more of a mogul? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what a mogul is, but I um, know. Oh interesting. Like Maradona against England. That was a slalom. I think just about. Yeah, maybe this is revealing that actually taken literally there aren't many slalomy goals because players often do run in a straight line that's kind of how they you know it's too difficult if, you, if you're forced to slalom 
then you're, you're likely to get tackled. Can Gladstone against Southampton? That's a slalom. That's a yeah. slalom. Because that, yeah. that has yeah. some proper lateral movement involved and very yeah. little sort of straightforward pace. I think this is very crucial. It's not about, mm. you know, straight line speed, is it? It's about... No, because as Dave says, if you wanted to just be quick, mm. you just go in a dead straight line. What about um, Chris Marsden's against Ipswich? <laughs> <laughs> I think that, that is quite slalomy. That was very straight line, though. Leisurely, a leisurely slalom. No, there, but mm. there, well, there was a bit of, there was a little bit of movement. I, I think it's I famously yeah. straight line. That's the problem with it. But it was diagonal, yeah. so that kind of helps. Yeah. Right, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> great stuff. Maisie dribbles. Maisie dribbles, though, Charlie, don't have to end in goals, though. I mean, no, no. No, no, absolutely not. Slalom. Is that Was that Maisie dribble? Or was that slalom? Did he slalom a bit? A little bit Ooh, slalomy. Oh, he's a bit slalomy. Yeah. bit slalomy. Yeah. Did he travel far enough? It was. We went across the pitch as well. Yeah. Yeah, potentially. Good question. Good question, Sam. Really like this from 352, Charlie. He says, dawned on me this weekend that a fan saying, every fucking time! Might be the most versatile moan in football. I heard about a player fouling. <laughs> oh, every time. This place passes. <laughs> the list goes on. It is really versatile. It's good. What would you most likely use it for? To a player? Whatever. Because I think a ref as well. Every fucking time. I think it's a player being caught offside and, and rightly called That's... offside. Every fu- Look across the line. Every, every fucking time he's offside. Be, not, be, not being the first man from a corner. Yeah. Every Fucking time. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Not picking out the right pass. Like making a bad decision in attacking areas. Every fucking time. Oh. But th- that's yeah. not specific enough because someone around you will be like, oh, what do you mean? <laughs> it's like, yeah. Which, which specific so, thing are you talking about? Yeah, it's got to be something a player becomes synonymous for. So it's got to be a self-contained thing that a player very notably keeps doing. So yeah, missing a front, missing the first, not beating the first man from a corner, Dave, is, is very good. Mm-hmm. Maybe it. Goalkeeper who keeps getting yeah to play, no, a goal, play out and keeps sort of or, or even a goalkeeper making if you've got a goalkeeper who makes errors even if clearly they're not doing that every game but if they do it enough they're going to get screamed at if they do one because it's like every fucking time I don't think it works for referees because very few people will be keeping a record of a particular referee's Ooh, individual I, th- I think I think you <laughs> underestimate the modern no, but football no, 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 I, th- I think I think. But it's not necessarily a, a, a criticism of the ref. It's it's telling the ref that the other team are doing something every time. Oh, maybe fouling. You know, doing every time. He's doing fouling us every time. Yeah, or or it could be an opposition goalkeeper, Ben Foster, who every fucking time we play them waste time, mm. and it never mm. every fucking time this guy. Yeah. Oh, so bigger picture every fucking time. Oh, nice. yeah. Well, I think what caps off its versatility, Dave, is that. Yes, it's a, it's a thing that you could shout at a game and people around you go, yeah, yeah, definitely just, I, yeah, it's rubbish. But I would find myself also saying it to myself as I watch my own team on TV. It's a sort of mm. thing I would definitely mutter to myself every fucking time, fucking, fucking pass it. Mm. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, it's definitely an internal frustration thing as well. Like, yeah, and, and that's where they've pa- like passing out from the back and getting caught. That is a really good one. Yeah. Every really fucking time. Every fucking time. <laughs> Why oh, do we do why it? Why do we do this? Yeah. Excellent. Excellent question, yeah, 352. Thank you for that. Joe in Hove has written in. He says, as a Newcastle fan, all I really wanted from the League Cup final was my team to turn up, as I kept telling people as they asked how I felt about the upcoming match at Wembley. I never fancied us to win it. The previous two finals I've been alive for in 98 and 99, Newcastle categorically did not turn up for. 
both 2-0 defeats against Arsenal and Manchester United respectively. My dad often bemoans the 1974 FA Cup final, 3-0 loss to Liverpool because the team never got off the bus. However, Hmm. my uncle assures me that Newcastle definitely turned up in the 2-1 1976 League Cup final defeat to Manchester City. His question therefore is, Charlie, what constitutes a team turning up to a cup final? Is it just about sort of that's, a good account of yourself is that it that's a great that's a great question you yeah you know when a team just hasn't turned up um but do we only know it in absence like, well we didn't turn up today but then but I, some people say well they have turned up haven't they they've Did turned they? up mm. he's turned up today i think you'd far more hear it in the negative they, they just never really turned up yeah i, I mean two nil is the most like didn't turn up scoreline <laughs> is it because any more so, than that and, you, and it, you've just been dumped out you, you've been absolutely yeah, dumped yeah. out. yeah i was, yeah, I was, I was trying to like, think of it in the context of watford six nil fa cup final Final defeat in 2019. You wouldn't, you wouldn't say that. You, it's yeah. not enough, is it? It's not enough to say, oh, oh, because yeah. there's a sort of, there's a little element of like, oh, unlu- look, unlucky lads, you just didn't turn up today. It was one of those days sort of mm. thing. Yeah, it's not the most damning criticism you can make of any team, no matter yeah. you know what their chances were in the cup final on paper. It's a very specific thing, but... It is because it speaks to a frustration because it suggests the opponents didn't really have to do a lot or get out exactly. of second or third exactly. gear. Exactly, yeah. just, just didn't turn up. They, they won it... 2-0 at cruise control. So that's why 2-0 that, is the most suitable scoreline. That's line, why, yeah, that's yeah. why I think 2-0 is so suitable because you wouldn't, you know, City and that, that you wouldn't, you know, they were brilliant. There's nothing so, we could do. We yeah, may well have turned up, we'll that. never know. And yeah. tantalisingly, 2-0 suggests that if you had turned up, you could have had an effect on exactly. the game. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We, just, we just didn't turn up. Can and, you, that, and that's the frustrating part. I just don't think we ever really turned up. Can you use it in other sort of situations? Can you say, we're going to need I mean, two or three of our bigger we're players to turn up today? Does that work? Not enough of their big players have turned up today. Yeah, Show, have shown up or stood up and been counted. Yeah, turned up. So, so you have to turn up as an eleven. It can't be sort of some people turning up and some people not. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I think if you are a team that's maybe got a couple of very key players and a lot of sort of average ones around them, like Newcastle aren't far off from being that. They've obviously got like Gimaresh and they've got Sam Maximan, Wilson, Almiron, but then they've got you know they've got some sort of work hard working players as well. So I think you could say just you know that not Newcastle their forward players just haven't really turned up today. I see. Yeah, I think you'd be, you'd be like you know listen for, for them to have stood a chance today, they were going to need Gimares, Wilson. They were going to have to turn up. Yeah. Okay. And I'm just I'm just not sure they really did. Yeah, I'm happy with that. So so it works in in pre match context. You know we can they're going to need X Y and Z to turn up today. And you could say afterwards, Dave, that no, we just didn't turn up. We just didn't turn up, which I, which I really like. And everybody knows what it means as well, which is the greatest thing about it. But there's nothing you can do about it if you noticed it happening mid-game. You couldn't just say, you couldn't shout, you know, onto turn the pitch, up. lads, fucking turn up! <laughs> when are you going to turn up? Time. Oh, maybe, never turn maybe because up. when are they going to turn up? We're still on the coach. Yeah. Well, there's that, that, there's that, like, welcome to the game, lads, or something. Yeah. Oh, has he been playing, has he? Yeah. <laughs> been playing with the, oh, they Fought an 11th player, something like that. Yeah, that's And that's another one. welcome to the game ref yeah. as well. Yeah, been playing with 10 today. Okay, interesting. Oh, well, I hope that provides some sort of comfort to Joe Inhove. Now, I want to end on a musical note again, actually, on this episode. This came from Pavel Kondov. Thought the panel might like to react to this. This is Italian parody metal band Nano War of Steel. He describes it as a military retelling of the 1994 World Cup final. I would like to describe it a little bit more like Megadeth meets Mundial magazine. Here we go. <laughs> Oh, oh, oh. 
something, isn't it, Charlie? Mm, quite an earworm. <laughs> Go. Have you seen that all day? Don't see... Uh, I mean, some of the lyrics, Dave, are quite sophisticated. Um, Pavel Kondov says it contains the superb line, Catenaccio Dignified. So I mean, it's... Um, there are some layers to this song. It isn't. It isn't complete nonsense. Well, <laughs> I, d- I don't know. Yeah, it's a valiant attempt. Elsewhere in the song, I- I'm pretty sure actually it's the first ever song to reference both the temperature and humidity of a famous <laughs> football game. I'm not sure even half man, half biscuit managed that. Um, I urge people to listen to it. Maybe I'll stick the link out to it tomorrow. But yeah, what was it? Nano War of Steel. Nano War of Steel. Yeah. yeah. Um, some disturbing moments in the video, Charlie. Roberto Baggio getting gunned down before he even mm. takes his penalty against Tafarel. That's not how it happened. <laughs> so faithful in its retelling in other ways. Yeah. It yeah, does, take some, does take some liberty. Da, 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 tango, but they just, uh, they just, that's where, that's where <laughs> the, um, the realism stopped, the verisimilitude. They... Anyway, hope everyone enjoyed that. Hope everyone enjoyed today's adjudication panel, and I hope everyone has enjoyed 150 episodes of Charlie Eccleshare. I suspect they have. Well done to you, Charlie. I'm sorry. I'm much. applauding. Thanks, lads. Thanks to you, Dave Walker. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back on Tuesday. Cheers. The Athletic.